Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Naturally, bank issues are a disinflationary item historically and always. So that one helped me out. But I mean, we've really been calling the rate cuts on par. And you have to remember when you have places like Goldman Sachs about, you know, 45 minutes ago saying, oh, yeah, we don't see a scenario for aggressive rate cuts. Those are the same people that were telling you last September that there was going to be no sticky inflation and that we were going to start probably not having to do a lot of rate cuts this year. And they were completely wrong. Same banks and same individuals in 2008 that said they had no financial exposure to the downside, and then that was exposed. So you have to be careful because it was as easy as listening to the news and picking stocks or looking at lines. Nothing will stop us from covering stocks, real estate investing, and personal finance, even a family vacation. So we are in here and we're ready to get it today. Yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of jealous of the weather you're having there right now because it looks like either you are the uh, second coming or um, the, the, there's no rain going on because, I mean, we are getting hit here in Northern California. Well, I will just say it is uh, about 70s, beautiful weather, and uh, let's just say I'm eating and drinking at my fair share for the both of us. You'll come so, back and closer to me, a little softer around the jawline. Oh, yeah. I am um, definitely, uh, you know, eating, uh, eating my way through Hawaii, but that's the way it's supposed to be. That's you guys know I love good food, good wine, uh, good spirits, and of course, good family memories. So uh, it's kind of funny. I used to literally, when I first got into entrepreneurship, this was like one of the fantasies I had was one day I was going to have a family and we were going to be traveling and having fun and eating and drinking whatever we wanted. And it's kind of cool to think about how we're actually getting to to live that. And obviously a big part of that, um, which we focus on, you know, this show is because of smart, diligent, consistent, prudent investment decisions that, you know, I've worked hard on over the last uh, 12 years of my professional entrepreneurial journey. And obviously you've been a big piece of that over the, you know, the last five, six years in terms of moving a lot of my stuff out of real estate and getting a little bit more holistic, more diversified into the financial markets, which we are going to cover some great topics today. 
we got consumer confidence, we got personal consumption expenditures, we got some updates and what's been going on in the market, quick little SBB update or SBB update. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, we got new data on our foreclosures and delinquencies finally heating up. I know they are for sure in one sector. We're going to cover that. Housing data is catching up a little bit here. And we're starting to see whether or not what the Fed has been doing is actually working. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And really a big question for a lot of people right now in times of uncertainty of all of these moving pieces is what do you do with your money during this stage of the cycle? We're going to get Mr. Breedwell's take on that. But before we jump in today, guys, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy the podcast, you enjoy the show, if this is serving you, supporting you, helping you on your money journey, then don't forget to leave us a review in iTunes. Takes two seconds. It means the world to us and helps us reach and impact more people on their financial freedom journey. And of course, if you guys haven't taken advantage, especially in times like right now, the free financial x-ray that Ryan and his amazing team do you can text the word extra. You can see that up here on the screen uh, to 844-447-1555. And Mr. Breedwell, when they text that, what's going to happen and what are they going to get as a result of that? Yeah, what we'll do is we'll kind of just get a review of what you're currently doing either on your investment accounts or your insurance policies. We'll incorporate your uh, real estate holdings if you have them and anything else that you might uh, consider an asset. And Um, normally, like I said, the biggest thing that we uncover, um, and happens almost every single day when I get people coming in is just the fees that people are paying a lot of times are kind of tucked away or hidden. And so we'll go ahead and kind of identify that. We'll kind of see the impact on, of that on your account. And then we'll go over maybe some, uh, financial recommendations that I might make to make some improvements. If you think those are a good idea, we can implement them. If not, you'll have all the data and there's no cost or obligation. So it's a really good idea. We call it the financial x-ray because you can kind of just take a look under what's what's more obvious on the surface and see what's underneath. Beautiful. And for all my credit investors, for those of you who are, you know, looking for passive income opportunities, you don't have that deal flow yourself. You maybe don't want to do all that kind of work. uh, Get on my credit investor deals list where you guys will get to see the deal flow that I am looking at. We put out the Green Coffee Company offering this last year, which was an absolute killer and there's still a little bit of room left on that one. We're in the tranche C. So series C, third tranche. If you're looking to get more information on that, all you got to do is text the word deals to 844-447-1555. And probably what I'm more excited about is the one that I'm going to be personally be offering in a company that I am a partner and an investor in um, that I'm spending a lot of time and that I'm going to be announcing here um, in the coming weeks. So if you want to know more information to be the first on that, uh, you can text the word deals to that same phone number. And of course, don't forget to check out all the amazing stuff that we have at millionermindcast.com. A lot of updated tools, resources, calculators, how to track your investments, your holdings, your net worth, all kinds of great stuff there specifically for our Millionaire Mindcast family. You guys can check that out at millionermindcast.com. So with that being said, what are we seeing in the market today, Mr. Breedwell? Well, um, right now... I'm looking at the uh, S&P. It's, uh, the S&P market weighted is down about three quarters of 1% right now, but the equal weight S&P, which is every single company in there with equal weighting, so it doesn't give favor to companies that are doing better, um, meaning um, technology stocks are still kind of the, the heavier heavyweights in the S&P. That's what's being dragged down today. The, um, there's a very much of a little 
kind of a risk off attitude to some of the um, riskier bets that people have been making over the past couple of years that have panned out. And now they're kind of like saying, well, you know what? We're going to be in this kind of sticky situation where we have to get through inflation still. We have some interest rate cuts coming at the end of the year. I want to be in companies that can produce dividend and yield during that period of time and also have good balance sheets. And I think that's appropriate when you get into situations like this. You can't just speculate and buy names like Tesla, names like uh, the ARK Fund, and and just expect it to work out. Those have done well year to date, um, given that risk on was a little bit more um, sexy from January through February. But now people are kind of understanding that the Fed's not going to do a hard pivot. I, and I don't believe they're going to do a hard pivot. I think we probably got one more potential raise. It's about 50-50 right now. And then for sure, we have a pause coming in uh, June with cuts potentially uh, in the July uh, or further meetings. But uh, Fed's futures markets are pricing in um, a 75 basis point plus uh, cut by the end of the year. And I was saying even last year, they're going to raise interest rates, but they're going to have to cut them uh, because we don't have an economy that does very well um, with high interest rates. We, we have uh, the stock market, for example, is backed tons still by mortgage-backed securities. So we need the housing market and the real estate market to do well. And the real estate market does well when the stock market does good because interest rates stay low. So it's kind of this level of symbacy. Um, They're not directly correlated as far as moving in lockstep, like they both go up or they both go down. As we've talked about many times before, the stock market tends to precede the real estate market and the real estate market tends to lag the stock market. So when we start seeing conditions uh, turn around in the, in the um, stock market, we then can say, okay, this, is, this might be or is likely indicative that the uh, real estate market is probably going to get some, some juice to it. And normally we can see people, as we were talking about earlier, putting their money into fixed income securities because we also do have rates, rate cuts coming. And bonds do have that inverse relationship to interest rates. So if they cut, will yield go down? Yes. You'll get paid the same amount, but it'll be an equivalent coupon rate lower because they will raise your face value. So this is like the 2008 scenario where interest rates were cut very aggressively. And that's why bonds did so well versus stocks in that year. That's generally the inverse relationship that stocks and bonds have with each other and it's healthy to have that because then when you have a correlation of quality, fixed income, alternatives, and equities in your portfolio, you, you just fare better. I have a lot of my clients, you know, in the, the 60-40 kind of mix, we kind of keep them in that blend. Um, and they're not making a ton of money today, but they're maybe down one or two basis points because the bonds are doing well. Um, yep. There's always a bull market somewhere. That's the fun part about investing. It's just finding where to put that money and then being confident and keeping your money in those positions through times of turmoil like we've been on. Yep. Yeah, we saw mortgage rates hit their lowest level in just over six weeks on Friday. Um, obviously, you know, I think the bad news in the banking sector and some of the fears around that, you know, just on a surface level has, you know, really pushed certain investors to, you know, larger institutional investors pull money out of the stock market, move it into bonds. And of course, obviously, that fares well for uh, rates. Now, based on some of the data that we're seeing come out, Case Shiller, National House Price Index, the declining trend continued to 3.8% year-over-year increase in January. And really, 2023 began just as 2022 had ended with the U.S. housing prices falling for the seventh consecutive month 
And we really continue to see that trend move on. But in terms of the real estate market being something that, you know, people are expecting there to be, so I keep seeing on Twitter and, you know, it, honestly, it kind of, it, it makes me laugh. And at the same time, you know, it probably goes to the same sentiment of what you see in your sector of finance, right? Is a lot of people pushing these fear-mongering headlines and the real estate market is going to crash. And there's just no signs of that. Now, I will say we're seeing some definite cracks in the commercial sectors, and we can talk about that in a second. But in terms of, you know, there being some serious foreclosures or delinquencies, Freddie Mac just reported this last week that the single-family housing, um, you know, seriously, serious delinquency rate in February was down again from, uh, you know, 0.66 down to 0.65. So Freddie's rate is down year over year from 0.99% in February of 2022. And to give you guys kind of a little bit of a, you know, some context to what that number actually is, in February of 2010, which was the peak of serious delinquencies, uh, according to Freddie Mac data, uh, that was 4.2%. So we're at 0.65 right now, as compared to in 2010, when we all know what was going on then, right? I mean, you could literally sneeze and come across the foreclosure and uh, make some pretty good coin off of it. I was at 4.2% following the housing bubble, and that peaked at 3.17% in August of 2020 during the pandemic. And that, again, was when people were, you know, freaking out, going to the banks, getting in forbearance plans, pausing their mortgages, things like that. We're at 0.65%. So we're not seeing any signs of, you know, real concern at this stage in the single family market. Now, that being said, we're seeing some good adjustments in housing prices. And I think right now what we're seeing overall is just the fact that, you know, consumers on both sides of the transaction appear to be just feeling a little bit more cautious about the housing market, right? We're just not seeing as many people be as aggressive. Um, and, you know, you're still seeing the sellers that really are hoping and wanting for more, because if you're going to sell your house, you know, especially yeah. when we're talking about 40% of the mortgages in the current climate were originated in 2021 and 2022, which is absolutely insane, obviously, because we saw rates where they were at. Um, you know, people aren't going to be as inclined to sell and, you know, get out of a rate like that and get into something way more expensive, especially when we're not seeing as much inventory available, which Altos reported that, you know, active single family inventory was down again, 0.3% week over week, which puts inventory down 50% compared to the same week in 2019. So there's really not a whole lot to choose from right now as well. So the single family real estate housing market is really strong right now. Now, we're starting to see some potential cracks or at least softening in certain sectors, of course, in commercial real estate and specific asset classes. You know, right now, the commercial real estate debt market is probably by far the most potentially concerning or looming, uh, you know, concerns when it comes to what we're seeing with obviously bigger banks tightening up right now. They're really not looking at a lot of different asset classes outside of maybe your, your bigger fastballs, you know, like um, the 
uh, apartments and, you know, multifamily housing and some of the safer ones. But even then, you know, we're starting to see uh, this last week, some data came out about with Fannie uh, or Freddie Mac that uh, multifamily delinquencies have been increasing and we're at 0.13% in February, up from 0.08% in February of 2022. So I think, you know, that's something to maybe pay attention to a little bit. And I think we're starting to see some of these adjustable rate mortgages and, you know, MES debt and certain, you know, lending um, products that people took thinking that the market was going to continue to run the way it was trending, you know, a year or two years ago with that big shift and, you know, turn over the last, you know, eight to nine months. Um, you know, we're starting to see some of those people that didn't do proper underwriting, proper management, and really have proper exit strategies and plans for the assets that they were buying, you know, getting into a little bit of trouble. So it's going to be interesting to see what cracks continue to reveal themselves and how big they are in some of the commercial sectors of real estate, which I think are going to present some great opportunities all the way from the institutional level down to the mom and pop level. Um, that being said, I don't think we're going to see anything too catastrophic in the single family housing sectors right now, just because of what you know we have in terms of inventory. Rates are still somewhat manageable for people to get into. And hopefully, based on what we're seeing from the Fed and potentially a pivot, you know, at some point over the next 12 to 24 months, which we're expecting, you know, things are going to continue to trend, I think, in the right direction, in a stable direction for single family housing. I agree. And the reason that it's not concerning to me is just simply because I don't see a, a runaway in inventory. That was one of the yep. biggest issues that kind of ripped the lid off in 2008 was we had all of this stuff to sell and there was nobody that could buy it. Yeah, it was losing their neck. So then that tanks the value of the asset along with blood the market with a bunch of stuff that people don't want. So that's not happening. Um, the kind of annoying thing is we almost can't catch a break here because it's one thing after another, after another. Now it's the banking uh, stuff. And like I told everybody, it was being way overblown. I mean, a bank half the size of them bought them. Clearly, the yep. banks are, it's just a bad decision by one bank. And then you have, you know, you have people getting on the media saying, hey, you know, uh, we see 191 other banks that could potentially have that problem. Well, great. But potentially is a very broad word. How poten how much potential is there to have that problem? And then you have the other issue with, you know, when they push that narrative, you're going to continue to encourage people to run their deposits and put them into larger institutions, which they're not going to care. But the larger institutions are, if you, the, the kind of moniker that's being passed around is, well, I'm, I'm going to take my money out of the small banks because if the small banks fail, I won't get my money. But if the big banks fail, I will. Well, SVD was a small bank and they failed, but they failed because of lack of the amount of money. They failed because of lack of liquid assets. They had all the damn assets. I can't stress that enough. And the whole bullshit about the Fed's balance sheet jumping up. Yeah, they had to take those bonds and put them on their balance sheet to sell them. That's, oh, that's what happens when you add things to your balance sheet. You're going to see that tank back down here. And what I think what's happening right now is that that news is baking itself into the NASDAQ because the NASDAQ started to run over the past few days. We have a short 
and not in my portfolio, I'm still buying Qs. Um, but we have a short in a lot of our clients' portfolio on the NASDAQ specifically. And we also have a short on the S&P in some portfolios up to about 20% of the S&P actually. So that type of motion is to be expected when people say, oh, Fed's not going to jump back in and pause QE. They are going to continue. Yeah, they're going to continue drawing those assets off their balance sheet. They have to in order to get interest rates back to where they need yep. to be. They need to flood the assets, the bond market with those assets so that yields go down because the yield spread right now on what a bank can afford to pay versus what you can go and buy, they can't compete. They need, right. to get, they need to get the interest rates lower on bonds so that they can load their portfolio up on those bonds that they can afford. They can afford a two and a quarter or 3% bond. They can't afford to buy these and offload these uh, bonds yet because interest rates haven't cut. They have to buy the bonds as the, it's almost like catching a falling knife. They have yep. to buy the bonds as they're falling in yield because they need their portfolio space value to come up to a certain level before they can hit that strike price. That is the balancing act that's being played in the stock market right now. You're not going to hear any or very many news outlets talking about that because it's not sexy, but that's the ultimate thing, uh, situation that's happening right now. Held to maturity securities that are in a negative position are not an issue. It's an on-paper loss. It is not realized. If anything, it's a tax write-off for these corporations. Mm -hmm. They get back in on their tax side. They want to hold these securities to maturity, though, so that they can recover some of the face value. They're still going to sell them at a loss. They are. That's not rocket science. It's been happening for many years. But they want to hold them to maturity a little longer because they know that the interest rate cuts are happening. And if they didn't think that was going to happen, they would sell them for a loss and repurchase. Kind of like we see MicroStrategy when they were overweight on their Bitcoin position and they had bought it all at, a, at around a 46, 47 price. They had to make the hard decision to offload it and then rebuy it immediately. We've already seen companies of a smaller size uh, finagle through stuff like that. Is it, is it something that you want to be going through? No. Is it navigatable? Yes. So it's, a lot of this stuff, again, is just being way overblown. Well, and the banks, they're, they're not in the business of not making money, right? So when the current landscape is not as frothy as it was for quite some time, they're going to slow down. They're going to pause. They're going to tighten things up a little bit, right? And they're ultimately going to let some of the things in the economy play out. And that's ultimately a part of every banking cycle or every economic cycle is, you know, things get sexy and frothy and you, you know, take advantage of it while it's there. And when things start to shift, which we know that has been happening over the last nine months, especially when the Fed's been showing their cards as they have been, they ultimately are going to respond accordingly. And so, of course, they're going to always try and stay in front of what's going on on a global and a national you know, economic landscape. And as things continue to play themselves out, which is what we talk about on the show, this is all just taking account for the data that we're seeing and making the best predictions we can think of based on what some of these bigger players are going to do as that data comes out. And that's why it's so important right now to have your financial house in order, in my opinion, is because in these kind of times, it gets a lot harder to get access to certain things that ultimately were way more accessible when things were as sexy and as lucrative for everyone. But that's just not the 
the, the climate anymore. It's just not the current landscape. However, like you said, there's still massive opportunity in these particular market cycles. You just have to be that much more dialed in, that much more resourced and capitalized and ultimately, right, connected to the right conversations. So that way you're not getting duped into what ultimately mainstream media does, which is luring the masses into following what narratives they want them to follow while everybody else who's really a steward of the real conversations and the real data and the real decisions that are being made that impact your financial future are out there crushing it. And so right now, it doesn't mean big money is not making money right now because you're hearing on the you know mainstream news that X and Y and Z are having troubles or struggling or this is a potential risk or this is systemic and right? Like that just, it's, it doesn't mean that people aren't making money right now. It just means you have to be that much better of a steward of your own financial portfolio, paying attention to the right players, being involved in the right conversations, which is ultimately what we like to talk about on this show each and every week, right? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yep. And I've, I ran into um, the SCD thing helped me make one of my predictions come true with the rate hike because we were definitely walking into a 50 basis point rate hike. Uh, we were. Yeah. Naturally, bank issues are a disinflationary uh, item historically and always. So that one helped me out. But I mean, we've really been calling the rate cuts on par. And you have to remember when you have places like Goldman Sachs about, you know, 45 minutes ago saying, oh, yeah, we don't see a scenario for aggressive rate cuts. Those are the same people that are that were telling you last September that there was there was going to be no uh, sticky inflation and that we were going to start probably not having to do a lot of rate cuts this year. And they were completely wrong. Same banks and same individuals in 2008 that said they had no financial exposure to the downside. And then that was exposed. So you have to be careful because if it was as easy as listening to the news and picking stocks or looking at lines and, um, and 
oh, I like this Twitter handle and they sound sexy when they talk. I mean, if, the, if all that stuff worked, those institutions would not have time to do the things that, or have time to talk to you or, have your, or lend their information to your ear. Something else I'll share, I think, um, I don't know if Mark Twain said it. I, I'm almost thinking he did, but somebody of relevance has said that, you know, you might want to question um, a stated outcome if everybody is expecting it. You know, something along the line. How, how can everybody be expecting something and be in the know? And it, it happens. That just doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. I think if everybody's calling for a recession, I think if everybody's calling for no rate cuts, how, how am I magically calling? And then again, I'm going to fall my sword in the last one, but how am I magically able to forecast rate decisions with the same data that everybody else has? It's because I don't listen to the mainstream media and I don't follow headline news. We follow what the charts say and what consumers are doing. I can, I can barely park at the mall Thursday through Sunday when I'm trying to go there. There is no recession. People are going to continue to spend money and they're just going to do that because they were trained to do that by COVID. They've already seen what it's like when they don't spend money. They've already been put down in their house. They don't want to go through that again. It's changed consumer behaviorism likely for the long term. So where they buy maybe less designer goods, the Gucci, the Louis Vuittons, sure. But we see it evident that people are still buying depreciating assets and assets that are not considered staples. Like used cars prices just went up again last week. New yeah. cars are beginning to sell. We have federal uh, tax rebates for people switching out of their um, combustion engines into uh, all electric vehicles. There are things going on that are just going to stave off um, the woe is me and the beans and bullets assumptions. It's just not going to happen. And a lot of the stuff I see like right now is um, I think the next thing that's going to start snapping down is gold. Um, we own gold, but gold's been on too much of a run. It's way overbought the past couple of weeks. Uh, people and it's been way overbought, right? Because of what went on with the banks. And then obviously you saw what went on with crypto. So, and, you know. A, and then a we kind of find out, oh, look, a $100 billion market cap company, a mid-cap a mid size company is buying, buying an SVB. All their assets, everybody's going to be made whole for, I think, 500 million. Was that how much it was? Yep. Four million dollars yep. for a couple billion in assets. They just bought free money. Yeah, um, they, got it at, they got it at about a 20, what did they say? 20 to 25% valuation. I think they got it at about a quarter to a third of the value of the current market value of assets. That's a steal. So That's a steal. That was what? That means is capitalism. Somebody else is bound to win. That's how capitalism yep. works. It requires a loser. And there always has to be a loser for there to be a winner. So it's, it's not as scary as, as people or, or news outlets or, or anything is making it sound to be. It's op opportunistic. And you just saw Berkshire Hathaway increase their oxy, uh, uh, oxygen petroleum uh, by another few positions. They're buying stock like madmen. Why? Because when there's blood in the streets, that's the time to buy. Not say, oh man, Tesla was up 30, 40, 50% the last three years. Now I'm going to get in. You missed the train. You yep. missed it. So it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, you know, where, w what the Fed does at this next meeting based on some of this data starting to catch up because... You know, uh, it, it's funny, like what, what I'm seeing out here, you know, uh, let's just say I'm not seeing any signs of a recession out here in Hawaii right now. The amount of people that are here spending money on vacation, the amount of people that are going down the strip and I'm looking in Fendi and I'm looking at all these 
freaking stores, man. And they are packed full of people spending money right now. So it's very interesting, you know, to see what you see on the news and some of the fear mongering that's happening. And then as you start to go out into the real world and actually see what people are doing and what their actions are, uh, not always aligned. So I am, uh, of course, going to be curious to see. We got what personal consumption expenditures that you have come out that Thursday is coming out this week. Yeah. You got household, household spending coming out this week, correct? Headline and core, um, both expected to be um, down, which will be good. That'll be indicative that inflation is, is that that's kind of what we're looking for. Which the housing data is going to be a big piece of that. And we're seeing more of that data continue to trickle out and catch up. I saw so, a report that now um, pretty much the housing market is, is fully pulled back. So it may have a small more to go to, to break below its par of this pre-COVID run um, as far as kind of its momentum. But it should trough and swing here pretty soon. Um, so yeah, everything is pointing. Consumer yeah. confidence was a beat this yeah. last week, correct? We yeah. got consumer sentiment coming out now is if there is interest rate cuts. People are saying, well, yeah, historically that's led to a, uh, a pullback in the stock market. Yes, because people are going to buy bonds. So they're just going to shift into bonds again. They're not, they're, then the market's not crashing. They're just shifting assets like again, they did in 2008, which is why this market fell so much. It wouldn't have fallen as much if people weren't selling. Um, so right now to kind of wrap all of this up to the, to the, you know, to the retail investor, right? Uh, the institutional players and the larger, you know, kind of global players are really driving a lot of the markets. You're a retail investor. In a climate like right now, what do you continue to do during this stage of the economic cycle and the financial cycle that we're in when it comes to your investments and, you know, the capital that you have access to? I am, uh, as always, I'm buying quality. Um, I'm not speculating in a market like this. I'm searching for yield, even in growth portfolios, so we can get paid to wait. And the stock market is not a, an item you leverage into and long-term be successful. So I am buying quality. I'm pay, I'm going towards dividend paying assets. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that small cap value and large cap value and large cap blend uh, companies that would fall into those categories are going to be the way and the truth for the next few months until we get interest rate cuts settled. And then there's going to see a rotation back to your high higher beta names and higher beta areas like tech, like communications, um, like consumer discretionary, some other names there. So um, I'm still confident in my call. Um, I need about another 11 or 12% on the S&P to hit to that 4,400 zone. But I still think that that is possible, especially if we do get the interest rate cuts. I think we're going to have an opposite uh, movement where the Fed, the Fed has cut or pivoted in the past, and that has caused a pullback in the market. I think just like we had an un, a traditional parallel move in bonds and stocks last year, and they both went down, I think we're going to have an unparalleled movement in stocks going back up with bonds while interest rates fall. I, I don't know, but I think that that is highly likely um, to happen. And again, my favorite thing to say is, Time will
Time will tell and you know we will continue to track all the data and keep you guys included in every piece of that conversation. If you got questions for us, shoot those in at 844-447-1555. We didn't record live today because I'm on Hawaii time and uh, Breedwell Pacific time. So we didn't get the chance to, to stream live for you guys on our normal 2 p.m. Pacific Standard time. That being said, each and every week, live on YouTube. We're recording this, answering questions live. And of course, you can always shoot your questions into that text line. If you didn't take advantage of the free financial x-ray yet, be sure to text in x-ray to 844-447-1555. If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, especially with this new offering coming out, be sure to text the word deals to that same phone number. That being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week on your wealth building journey. Don't forget, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. And we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're gonna get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, Don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.